welcome to season four of One Day You'll Thank Me, a podcast for smart parents. I'm Dr. Tara Egan. And I'm Anna. I'm a mom, a therapist, a parent coach, and an author. And I'm a daughter and a kick-ass high school student. Each week, we'll discuss a different parenting topic. And we'll interview some amazing guest experts. Our goal is to provide an interesting informational resource for busy parents. While also offering the perspective of a teen. Stay tuned, everyone. Boom. Hello, welcome back to season four of One Day You'll Thank Me. My name is Dr. Tara Egan. And I'm Anna. And Anna is my darling daughter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we're about 18 months into this podcast. Which is crazy. I know. We've done three full seasons, and this is our first episode of season four. Yeah, we did it. I know. I know. I'm impressed with us. Yeah, me too. I feel like we've learned so much from all these experts who've been on. Oh, for sure. Well, before we get started with our episode today, which is kind of unique, because what we're going to do is we're actually going to respond to some of the comments and questions from our listeners and some of my clients. But I just kind of want to have us give an update to our audience about where we are. I mean, it's mid-October. And I'm back in school, and I'm about a month and a half in my job, which I work in a movie theater. It's fantastic. Wait, tell us about what you do at your job. Oh, well, I'm the concessions. I serve popcorn and, you know, help everyone who needs something. And I I love it. It's a great way to have something to do without it being overly stressful, even though some of our rushes can be a little bit stressful. But it's really fun to, you know, work with people my age and not have to worry about like Spanish homework and everything. So I love it. I feel like you've enjoyed getting to know the other workers there because some of them are right at your age and some of them are older. And they're people I wouldn't normally talk to because if I was at school, like one of the workers is banned. Like I wouldn't normally like talk to people who are in band because I don't do band, but you know, she's fantastic. There's another person who's a senior at, at a different high school. Like I would have no way of meeting her without, you know, getting this job. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's been great. Yeah. I like it. You have good work life balance where you're not working so many hours that it's completely stressing you out, but it gives you some extra cash. I think you look forward to your shifts. I do. Yeah. Everyone who works there is fantastic. All my managers, it's it's a great environment to be around. Well, you've had a very good first job experience. I actually, I didn't tell you this, but one of the managers came up to me and Ellie and said that we're the best employees they've had in a long time. Oh, He said that because, you know, the newbies were there mm-hmm. and um, they're like, yeah, they seem okay, but they're not like... They're not as efficient as you guys. They're just kind of standing around and like doodle. Whereas you guys are like, what can we do? What do you want us to clean? What tasks do you want us to do? Do you help this customer? Like, yeah. like, you guys are doing fantastic. And I was like, oh, thank you. It's nice to be complimented when we do a good job. I think the person who's had the biggest adjustment to you getting a job is your stepdad. Yeah. He <laughs> moons around, wondering when you're getting home. He... He loves movies. And so he's like, you want to go bring me to a free movie? Well, that's true. (laughs) He is like that. But I mean, when you're gone and he's like making dinner and then he wants to recook the dinner Mm -hmm. right before you get home so the food is hot. 
She's and I'm so like, nice. Dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she'll be fine. She can eat it up. But he's just like wondering, did she text you to say she's coming home? Like, Aww. he's having a hard time with like missing you. That's so sweet. I didn't know that. <laughs> he really is. We've had to, I've had to pay extra attention to him because he's <laughs> missing you. <laughs> so, okay. So that's good news. You've got school, you got work. Mm-hmm. you're discovering that you're more social than you give yourself credit for. Yeah. Why don't you tell everyone what's going on with you? Well, let's see. The book was published back in August. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. People seem to have received it really well and um, find it to be a useful tool. It's for first-time moms who are working on establishing a connected relationship with their toddler and figuring out how to manage the whole discipline thing. So that's that's probably been a focus And then my parent coaching business has grown a lot, which I love because it allows me to be flexible and work with a whole bunch of different people around the country. And most of the time I'm focusing on working with co-parents. So a lot of the families call me up. They have a relationship with their co-parent that is stressful and they can see that it's impacting their kids or it's impacting themselves, even if the kids are doing okay and they're just really frustrated with that feeling like they're banging their heads against the wall because it's so hard to communicate with this person. And so then we work together, you know, as a team to have things go more smoothly so they can make decisions about the kids and not be walking around feeling really defensive and distrustful of their ex. So it's work I for sure enjoy. Um, And that's been, you know, a focus. And then my assistant and I were always working on stuff behind the scenes to create resources for families, whether it's moving forward with, having really good podcast episodes, whether it's creating YouTube videos, whether it's creating small courses that parents can take to support their kids in some domain. Like we're always kind of doing that because you know me, I like the variety. I'm not really a clinician who has every day be just seeing one client after the other. I like to do the writing. I like to do the podcasting, the public speaking, the creating digital resources. So it's all, it's all, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, um, holidays are coming up. Woohoo. I love the holidays. I know you do. And I love how much you love the holidays because it usually involves you helping with decorating, mm-hmm. making cookies. Mm-hmm. So. Well, even just Halloween, the mm-hmm. whole pumpkin spice and everything nice. Mm-hmm. You're so basic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I see I saw this video where it was a person and it was like imagine spending Christmas in these places and it was all these beautiful places like Switzerland and everything where it's like in these little towns that was like snow everywhere and there's lights and it's so pretty. Yeah. But yeah, that's that more of the happy. the childhood I grew up in upstate New York where there was always snow on Christmas. Yeah, here. there's no snow in South Carolina. <laughs> no. It's silly. People have their palm trees with Christmas lights strung down the trunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's still weird to me after all these years. Yeah. Well, let's get started. Let's talk about some of the questions that our listeners have proposed to us over the past few weeks or months and see if we can, I don't know, just kind of share a little bit more. Um, who wants to start? There, I can read the question. Okay. Pick one. So... What is the best way to handle feeling overwhelmed and stressed with your kids? This is a tough one because if you are a parent that does not admit to feeling sometimes stressed and overwhelmed, then you're a liar. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think we all feel that way sometimes. Some of it, when I talk to parents, is these are parents who oftentimes have a really hard time prioritizing, like prioritizing their expectations, 
what their values are, what routines in the home like really have to get done and improve the quality of their life. So I'll give an example is, you know, your brother like almost never makes his bed Mm -hmm. and it's not because he's disrespecting my rules. It's not because he doesn't appreciate our home or want to be a participating member. It's just not important to him in the morning. He's typically, I don't want to say rushed, but he would rather take another minute and eat his cereal or pet the dogs or whatever. And I make my bed pretty much every day. And so part of me is like, oh, should I insist on this? But then I'm like, you know what? Like, I don't want my morning with him to consist of fussing at him about his bed. And the other day I was with him and I made a comment like, hey, you should make your bed. And he's like very jokingly, very funny, in a very funny way. He goes, watch this. And then he like slowly shuts his door. (laughs) And it's just like, he's like, look, for all you know, it's made. And I laughed (laughs) because he, he had it with such good humor. He wasn't being disrespectful. Like it was a nice little funny moment between us. But I think some of it is parents prioritizing. Like there are times when it's just got to be a McDonald's dinner. And you can't go home and make two vegetables, a starch, and a protein. There's got to be times when you let the playroom stay a mess and worry about it later. There's got to be times where you put away toys that are just causing headaches because they're noisy or a mess because they involve glitter and just take it off the table as being a thing that you have in your house. So that's one of the first suggestions is what to let go, what to prioritize. Um, I would also say asking for support. And it could be from a grandparent. It could be allowing yourself to have the kids stay an extra 45 minutes at daycare so you can get a workout in or run to the grocery store or talk on the phone to your sister. Um, If you can get a babysitter or, and if it's not in the budget to trade, you know, like I'll take your kids on a Saturday night if you take my kids next week. And just to be able to get some downtime, getting enough rest, that's a huge deficit that parents have. I'm guilty of this too, where, it's quiet at night and everything's settled down. And then I go upstairs and I'll like watch TV or lately I've been reading a lot of books and I kind of get immersed in that. And then the next morning I'm like, oh shoot, I should have prioritized my rest. I feel the same way. I think like, especially when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, wow, like, you know what? I'm going to go to bed so early tonight. I'm going to feel great. Like can't wait to get back into my bed. And then it's like 11 o'clock at night and I'm just like, I want to watch TV. I haven't had any quiet time all day. Yeah. I mean, I have to say as a parent, as your parent specifically, I struggle with how much to insist on that because like you are such a cheerful kid. I mean, you really are like it's every once in a while you'll be a little bit grouchy, but it's something like I can point out and be like, Hey, what's, what's, what's with the grouchiness, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's something, and you'll say it, it might be something small, like, Oh, I have so many notes to take in my biology class or my brother's annoying me Mm -hmm. or whatever. Or sometimes like you just snap out of it. And you always get up in the morning. And in fact, we've been walking every morning at 7 a.m. Yeah. We've only had a couple exceptions where there's been something going on that prevented us from doing that walk. So part of me is like, you're 16, you've got a job, you're adorable. You should have the freedom to figure out the sleeping thing. But then also part of me as a parent thinks that I should be giving you more support with this. And by that, I mean, getting on your case a little bit more and putting some more structure into the bedtime because I think a lot of us feel like, well, if I'm not staying up to 1130, then like either I'm not working hard enough or you just, that just becomes your new norm. 
Yeah. And you're like, I'm just a person who stays up till 1130. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's really hard, especially since school starts like, make a schedule or a routine that's like the same especially if like you know I have a huge Spanish test coming up or I have to work an extra shift or you know we have something going on with the podcast some things are always different and so I think it's really hard to like say every day I'm going to go to bed at exactly 10 30 yeah but you can, don't have to yeah no I totally like it doesn't have to like I feel like you think it has to be all or nothing like either I yeah. stay up really late every night or I go to bed on time or at a reasonable hour, and it might just be better to say, okay, at least twice a week, I need mm-hmm. to prioritize getting to bed earlier. Yeah. So anyway, so that's probably a good example of this. So set a small goal. You can't sit there and be like, every day I'm going to read the children stories for this long, and then I'm going to make sure that they eat the most nutritious meal ever and get one hour of exercise after school. Like, Sometimes we put so much pressure and then we kind of immediately fail at that because mm-hmm. it's so much. And, and then it's defeated. like, yeah, then it's like, oh, heck with it. Mm-hmm. Let's have chicken McNuggets and watch TV. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's a good question. Um, oh, last thing I want to say about that to parents out there is do not compare yourself to other parents on social media. Because I promise you, as a person who has access to many of the homes in the area I live in, I've seen those posts and I also know what's behind it. And sometimes it's just not as glorious as it seems. And it can feel so intimidating. Like, especially I'll like go look on Pinterest and it's these people who are like, wake up at 5 a.m., drink some iced coffee, work out for an hour, then get dressed for school in this cute, adorable outfit, and then do all of my homework and then like, go on to my perfect day at school. And I'm just like, how? It's exhausting. I know. I'd be like, I'd be exhausted by like the second day of waking up at 5 a.m. and like doing all those things. The thing is, is you do all those things. You just don't don't do them at 5 a.m. I don't, not, not as. That is not a natural time for most people to get up, especially teenagers. So don't beat yourself up over that. (laughs) Well, it's just kind of, you know, it's intimidating to see like everybody else looking so perfect when. They're not. Yeah. All right. I've got a question for you. Are you ready? Mm, Okay, so this person says, how has podcasting impacted your social life? Is it weird to go from talking about regular teenage topics to then speaking to experts about topics like domestic violence and porn addiction? Well, that's a good question. I mean, not many people in my like high school life know about the podcast. I mean, I know a few of my friends know and a few of my teachers know as well, but I kind of just keep it separate. And so I think that also helps because, you know, when I'm at school, I'm focusing on school. And when I'm at home, I'm more focusing on other things. And so I think that I try to keep it balanced. But I enjoy our conversations on this podcast. I enjoy talking with other high schoolers. I mean, it can definitely be, like, infuriating when someone will say something, like, really ignorant or, like, Something that they don't know anything about. And then I'm like, well, actually, I just had an interview with this very important person and you are very much wrong. But then to have to like explain everything and then be like, mm, why do you know all this? Like you're yeah. just, it's not your crowd. Yeah. Which can be kind of hard. But I, I mean, I've learned so much from this podcast and I think it's become especially a, a really good resource and tool that I can use in my everyday life. So I appreciate it. You're right. Like we don't. We compartmentalize it. Like when we're going to work on the podcast, we set aside time. We get into that podcast mentality. Mm-hmm. And so it's not something we talk extensively about over the dinner table. And then I think 
that goes with your personal life too. And I, I do know there's a couple of friends of yours who know about it, but you... I mean, in my child development class I had last year, I mean, it was during COVID, so I was also home. We did an episode about the three types of parenting. Permissive, authoritative, mm-hmm. and authoritarian. And so I actually learned about that in my child development class. And so I was able to like incorporate those together, which was great because it made me ahead of everyone else. But, you know, that was a great time to like use my podcast resource in like a positive way, which yeah. I loved. Well, next semester you're taking AP psychology. psychology. Woohoo, yeah. So I'll be curious if we have much overlap. Maybe that will inspire some episodes. Yeah. You know, as you talk about things in AP psychology. Yeah. And I've taught that class at the college level. So I will be an excellent resource for you. I hope so. Yeah. All right. Um, next question for me. So, I mean... As your child, I can see your work-life balance, but, you know, how do you manage it and, like, explain how it is in your life to our audience? So work-life balance, there's times I'm more successful at it than others. There's times when I get really immersed in, like, the clinical care of my clients, like, especially if I have a client who's suicidal or I'm working with a couple that's super high conflict and like lawyers are calling me or I'm getting subpoenaed or things like that, or if I'm in the middle of writing a book. But one thing that COVID has taught me with having you kids around all the time is it matters, you know, what time I get home. It matters. And even more than what time I get home is being able to be present when you are like talking to me or we're having a meal together is making sure that there's a point in my day where I like turn down everything, you know, like shut the computer and really just be in a space of being with our family. I think your stepdad is hugely influential when it comes to me having the time and space to respond to all the needs of my clients. Like he is such a a giver when it comes to time. Like he, you know, he does take care of dinner. He will run and pick up a prescription or grab your brother from the Y or take the dogs to doggy daycare or something like that. And so he takes a lot of the mental load of being a parent and managing all the day-to-day stuff like around the house. He takes a lot of that load off because then I can be really focused on work. And then when that's done, I'm not coming home to a huge pile of like taxing activities just to keep our house running. Like we have a very equitable relationship And that there's certain things I do. I manage the money. I make sure the cleaning people come on time. I know where you guys are and help with homework. But then he does a lot of the other stuff. So we make a good team and that really helps. And if you're a parent who's listening and you're a single parent, which I've been there, I just want to send my like good thoughts to you because I know how stressful that is. If you're in a relationship and you have a partner who isn't pulling their weight I think that's a place to reevaluate because, man, can life be good when you're able to really enjoy your work and be present with it and then really enjoy your family life and be present with it and not be bogged down with, oh, my goodness, I need to stop and get milk and change oil in the car and where you just never get a break from the do, 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 do. So, yeah, yeah, it's hard, but there's sometimes I'm better at it than others. I think I'm doing pretty good right now. I think you also learn from your mistakes. I feel like if you, you know, you tag in that extra appointment that's from six to eight and you realize like, wow, that was like 
tiring and you're overkill and you just you're like okay well let's not do that ever again because you know that was too much like you said so i think you've definitely learned a lot yeah i do try to talk to you kids about it like if i take on a client that lives too far away and they want home visits like i've learned to set boundaries about that or on occasion i work saturdays i work way fewer saturdays than i used to but on occasion i'm like you know what I have to be careful to not make too many exceptions because I need this downtime on the weekend, whatever it is. So yeah, I do try to be verbal about that because I also find that I commit to it more if I say it aloud. If I just tell myself, Tara, don't work after you know 6.30, then it's harder for me to follow through. But when I tell you kids like, hey, this is a goal that I'm working towards, I feel like it makes me more accountable to it. Yeah. All right, let's see. Another question is, oh, this is a good one. So this was written by a dad. It says, how can I improve my connection with my kids as their dad? So knowing the context of this person, I know that this is a dad who is separated and they're doing the whole two household thing. Mm -hmm. So this dad is in a new role where when he's with the kids, he's alone with them because before when he was living under the same roof as his ex-wife, a lot of times that when they were together, it was the entire family together. So now he's doing visitation with the kids. There isn't another adult there. And I think sometimes dads can feel a little lost. Like now what do I do with them? Mm -hmm. So some suggestions I have for the dads out there who are trying to establish a more connected relationship is to really understand that, your parenting is really based on the quality of parental involvement. It's not just based on the number of minutes you're with your kid, but you know, are you interacting with them? Are you making eye contact? Are you having conversation? Are you showing humor? Are you doing parenting type things like making sure they've brushed their teeth, getting them into bed on time, checking through their reading log to make sure they did their reading for the night? Like those are the things that kids feel very nurtured by. And some of the dads, as they're learning how to adopt to this new role, will sort of pick up the kids. It's their weekend and they don't have anything planned. They end up sort of having the TV on in the background. Maybe they eat out a lot, which is fine. It's not the eating out. It's the fact that there isn't, you know, sitting across the table from each other, making eye contact. And sometimes with these dads is I will help them find a way to structure their time with their kids, whether it's starting a new activity, like, hey, let's all, you know, start doing walks on Sunday mornings at the local Greenway, or let's start incorporating the kids into preparing a meal, or let's pick a series on TV that we're only going to watch when we're together. And every time we're together, we're going to watch at least one episode and we're going to kind of watch it at the same pace and maybe have some conversation about it. It doesn't need to be some highly intellectual high pressure activity, but it can be very helpful to plan some activities You know, setting up a play date, you know, swimming at your local pool, um, running certain errands. Everybody can feel sort of aimless during those visits if there isn't some structure there. So a lot of times it's having that dad take an interest in what the kids are interested in, whether it's playing Minecraft with them or, you know, watching your daughter dance around the living room as she's practicing for her dance recital, whatever it is, making sure to listen and ask questions. And once again, I'm going to say the eye contact thing, because that's really important. And then when you're talking to them, to not get into like a lecturing phase. 
I think that happens a lot where a kid will talk about something about school or something that they did on their video game and parents will immediately go into a mode of like, I'm going to teach you something. Or like sidetrack the conversation like, yeah, we were in the bathroom today and I saw this kid like right on the wall, but then they're like, the kid were on the wall. Well, how dare they? You know, you should never run in the mall because that's whatever, vandalizing. And then blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's not really being present. The conversation, you know, mm-hmm. not enjoying what they're actually saying. Yeah. And, and finding out more about their perspective. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't teach your kids things, oh, yeah. but you have to be really careful to not get into that space. And if you're a dad who's going through a separation and maybe your time with your kids feels limited, there can be a lot of pressure of like, I need to do all the dad teaching, you know, in the small time I have with them. And then they can end up getting into a space with their kid where it's more lecturing and less like just being present and connecting. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a dad out there and you're struggling with that, like it's okay to go to a professional just to get support for that. Like you don't have to have some sort of mental health diagnosis. Your kids don't need to be struggling where they're acting out or failing school. Like that is a great thing to do as you're going through a separation or divorce is just to connect with a child therapist, a parent coach like myself and just get some ideas. And they'll ask you about your kids' personalities and they'll find out who you are as a person so that you can come up with a routine with your kids that reflects who you are and is natural for you and authentic versus, you know, you reading a book that lists all the things you're supposed to do with your kids and then you're just trying to do it and it's not really compatible with who you are as a person or as a parent. So something to think about. Um... All right. I do like one or two more questions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask. Oh, here's one for you. Are you ready? Okay. What's it like to have divorced parents? Oh, man. Well, you know, I my parents have been divorced since I was, what, five? Yeah, over 10 years. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know very much. Like, I honestly find it weird when parents are together. <laughs> Like, what? What would that be like? I know. But also, like, I have my mom and my stepdad, and so, like, they have a healthy marriage, and so I can watch that. But, you know, it's very much adjusting to everything. Everything's changing. You know, you have new people coming into your life at random times, whether that be, you know, new sibling, whether that be step family, you know, it's just getting used to it and, you know, using your resources. I actually heard a funny conversation in the hallway the other day where I guess this kid, he had a divorced parents and he was talking to his other friend about how he has his mom buy his casual shoes and his dad buy his cool shoes so that he can benefit from both of them, <laughs> which I'm like, like, he was like, yeah, man, use your resources. Yeah. Like, Two Christmases. Yeah, exactly. And so I wouldn't say it was like a hardship or anything, but I mean, it's definitely different than, you know, having everything under one roof and always staying at the same space. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of good things that can come out of divorce, but it's not all good. And I think there's sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Like it's not like at the same level all the time. Oh, no, for sure. It goes up and down. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it's something you also have to like to experience yourself to actually know what it's like. Yeah. And I think some people have very different experiences than other people. Yeah. And I also feel like it can be different from like your age. Like I – I was five. Like, I didn't really know what it was like to have my parents together. But there's, like, kids who are, you know, 
15 and their parents are getting divorced and they had the whole 15 years of their life where their parents were together and now they're not together. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you're even like in your 30s and your parents are getting divorced. Like you don't actually live with them, but you're still going to have some of the effects of your parents getting divorced. So I think it can be really different for everyone. I tell my clients that you need to have one healthy parent. You don't need to have two healthy parents to come out reasonably well-adjusted. And one of the number one things that divorced parents can do is to keep the conflict low. And so for the parents out there who are in a separation or divorce, and there's a lot of conflict in front of the kids, and even if it's not all in front of the kids, but they can feel you sort of simmering with resentment, or, you know, you eye roll when they mention their dad, or you and your new partner are having, you know, angry whispering conversations over finances because the co-parent isn't participating or whatever it is. That's really stressful on the kids. And so, I don't know. That's something that really can change how that child responds within a divorce. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's see. I have one here. Okay. This one says, you don't talk a lot on your podcast about being a stepmom. What is that like for you? Ah, that's a good question. It is. I don't talk a lot about it because... My stepchildren are all old enough to listen to this podcast. And I think my perspective of being their stepmom is probably really different than their perspective of having me as their stepmom. And I think it would also really vary amongst the kids. And I think that one of the things I've learned is there just isn't a huge degree of consistency with it. There's times when I feel really close to one of my stepchildren or, or more. And there's times where I feel like we're more distant. And it's a lot of the times when we're not as connected, it's due to just life circumstances, you know? I mean, they're getting older now and they have like this whole world and this whole life. And then other times it's like, cause there's conflict somewhere else in the family. Like if they get, you know, annoyed at their dad, then that can, there's the collateral damage side of by association, they may step away a little bit from me and vice versa. If they're feeling really connected to their dad, then they are more connected to me typically because he and I are a strong team. So it's it's a really variable role. And with me not doing day-to-day parenting with them because they're older now. Three out of the four are adults. Three out of the four are adults. And, um, and even the youngest, your stepsister, is a junior in high school. You know, she's got a job and she's got friends and she can drive and... Her, her relationship with her dad is evolving over the years, which of course means that her relationship with me is evolving over the years. And she has a really like loving, involved relationship with her mother. And so my stepkids are not kids who need a mother in me. And so I don't have to fulfill that role. I get to just get to be this person in their life who loves them and is proud of them. And, you know, I try to always be available and welcoming without overstepping what my role is. You know, I try to stay in my lane as well, how I, how I term it. So mm-hmm. sometimes it means me like being quiet and receptive and welcoming, but not being overbearing. And I think it took me some time to figure that out. Cause I've, you know, your stepdad and I've been married six years and we were together obviously before that too. So there's been a lot of changes over the years, but Overall, for me, I think stepmotherhood has been pretty positive, but I think one of the variables is because my relationship with my husband is so strong, as well as 
I didn't marry him when his kids were four years old. Like they just didn't need tons of discipline from me. They just, they, you know, I wasn't sitting there getting on their back about homework and stuff. I mean, that was something their parents, you know, were responsible for. So, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully that answers the question. Yeah. All right. Let's take one more. Okay. Okay. How about, how about you ask the next one? Can you find one in that list? Okay. What about this one? It says, what do I do if my kids don't listen to me? Yeah, this is a really good question because the answer can really depend on the age of your kids. Because if you have a little kid, like a two-year-old, you know, and they're they're not being a good listener and you can scoop them up and put them in their car seat and head on home is different than having a 16-year-old who has a car and more access to to their friends. And if they and if you're co-parenting this child with somebody you're divorced from and they escape to the other parent's house when you you know try to give consequences, like all of that can get very complicating. So one of the things I tell parents overall is to first make sure your expectations for your kids are clearly stated and age appropriate. So if you are trying to get your kid to do something that they are too immature to do, and you're sort of setting them up to fail, they're, they're not going to listen to you because to them, it feels like they can't do it. So you want to have expectations that are age appropriate. You want them to be clearly stated and not have it go where sometimes you expect them to do it and other times you don't. And then sometimes you expect them to do it. Now you're mad when they don't like that can feel very confusing and arbitrary to kids. So you do want to make sure your expectations are clear and that what the consequences are if they don't do them. And a consequence can be something from, you know, talking to them about it, or maybe you raise your voice, like those are consequences, or it can be something more specific, like you don't have the privilege to use the car or, you know, maybe they lose the opportunity to use their cell phone, or maybe they have a certain chore that they need to do to make amends. But you need to be able to, to express to them what the tax is. That's what I call it. What's the tax to them not behaving in a certain way. And if your sort of go-to mode of consequence is just sort of yelling and raising your voice over and over, that becomes your new voice and kids will learn to ignore it. Or they'll quickly go into the mode of feeling like a victim. Like, oh, she's so mean to me. I can't listen to this. You know, this is unreasonable. And that you're not in a space where you can sort of collaborate and work together. So a lot of times with the families that I work with, we sit down together, talk about what are reasonable rules, talk about what each person's role is in setting the stage for success. So it might be, okay, my kid, I expect them to not have a bunch of zeros in there in the grade book. What are we each going to do? Well, mom's going to check with, check in with them, you know, once a week and see what their list of things to do is. She's going to have the parental controls on the phone. So it turns off at 10 o'clock. The child is going to go to the tutoring that the teacher offers on Tuesday afternoons. Anytime his grade dips below an 80, um, you know, whatever it is, like we, we talk about what are the strategies that are going to be used and what happens if each party doesn't follow through. So, it's tough. If you've been in a relationship with your kid where there's a lot of not listening, ignoring, dismissive behavior, yelling, um, disrespect, it can be hard to pull out of that space. And I really do recommend that you find a clinician to work with on that specifically because it's exhausting for both of you. 
and it's not going to just resolve itself. So when you get a third party in there who can help you guys learn to communicate and figure out what those expectations are and how to have follow through, things go much better. So that's really hard. I feel like you guys are good listeners to me. And so we don't have a lot of that conflict, but I think some of it is I try to give directions that are reasonable. Well, you're very understanding. Like if you're like, scoop later this instant, but if we were like, oh, let me just finish this one math problem. You'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like you're not like, you know, very, I don't know. You're I'm not, just, I'm not a very yelly person. No, either. not at all. And so I th- it makes us more willing to listen to you because you're very, you know, understanding and you appreciate what we do. Yeah. Definitely a good team. Because yeah, for sure. Our relationship, especially with you guys getting so much older, it is give and take. It's not, I've not wanted it to be set up where I'm just here to be at your beck and call. Well, we did that yesterday. You were like, if you, I'll do the dishes if you scoop litter. Yeah. Like, we, were, we were a good team about it. Yeah. Like, but then you're like, can I do dishes and you do litter? And I was like, oh, no, no, that's not choice. (laughs) (laughs) But I wanted us to kind of be like, oh, we're all cleaning up now. Yeah. So, like, let's get this done because it wasn't about watching you slave away. It was about, like, we need to get to this this house to a place of tidiness so we can move on with our day. Yeah. So, yeah. And sometimes I have to say something like, Well, we can be understanding of you if you're like, oh, man, I just came off of, you know, a 12-hour day where it's now 8 o'clock and the dishes are dirty and you know there's mm-hmm. pillows and blankets all over the place and the dogs are still running around like crazy and you're just like can you please just you know help me out a little bit just <laughs> i need you know it's been a long day me and dylan are always like yeah sure we yeah. can i feel like we're all we just work good as a team yeah absolutely well i like this episode what do you think yeah question and answers yeah i think we should do one of these once in a while because there might be a question that we don't have enough content to create a whole episode around it, but it's still important information. Yeah. So if you're listening out there and you have a question, shoot us an email. You can go to my website, which is www.drterryegan.com, and you can click on the Contact Us section and send in an email, and we will keep it anonymous. We're not going to announce your name or anything. But if you have a general question... And you don't really feel ready to actually work with me one-on-one and do parent coaching services. That's fine. Um, Send in a question and every so often we'll do something like this and we can get some information out there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Season four, episode one. Boom. Boom. Stay tuned for more upcoming episodes. Every Wednesday? Yep. All right. Love you. Love you too, honey. 